I'm a lot happier than I've ever been. Like I played for Ireland, I played in the Premier League and I could never enjoy it. I was never really happy, you know what I mean? There was always something wrong with me, like I always felt something, something still not right, you know, like so um yeah, today uh, it's not like that and I'm very thankful, yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Football Family. As always, we appreciate you being with us as we delve into the career of another Irish football personality. My name is Paul Dollery and our guest on this episode is a man who's familiar to you all, I'd imagine, as well as being one of the best players to grace the League of Ireland over the past couple of decades. He's also won 16 senior caps for Ireland and played nearly 60 games in the English Premier League. The man in question is Keith Fahey. Nowadays, he's coaching the under-13s at Shamrock Rovers, but he's known mostly for his time as a player with St. Patrick's Athletic and Birmingham City. He has some great experiences to reflect on from his playing days, such as winning a League Cup with Birmingham at Wembley. He also scored a vital winning goal that helped Ireland to qualify for Euro 2012. When Keith called into our studio for a chat, we looked back on those occasions, but we also spoke about a topic that's much more important than any game of football, really. He was uh, very admirably honest as he opened up about his mental health and the challenges he has encountered with depression and anxiety. And considering the ability he had with the ball at his feet, many people often probably would have felt that Keith Fahey should have achieved more in the game. But to be honest, after what I learned from this conversation, personally, I think it's quite remarkable that he achieved what he did, given the psychological struggles he was enduring off the pitch. Um, Thankfully, he has recently begun to take measures which are gradually bringing him to a better place. And we're really grateful to Keith for coming in and telling us his story so candidly. So without further ado, you are listening to episode 12 of The Football Family. And this is Keith Fahey. Keith, first of all, thanks so much for giving us your time. It's greatly appreciated. Cheers for asking us in, Paul. Yeah, thank you. I might start off by asking you about your coaching role with the Shamrock Rovers this year. You got involved with some of the underage sides. Is it something you're enjoying? It is, yeah, yeah. We're um, we're under 13s National League from January at the moment. We're playing DDSL under 14s, but it's going really well. Uh, love working with the kids. It's great, like I was just saying there. Uh, once they're happy coming up and happy going home, I've done my job, I feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. An yeah. exciting time to be involved with Rovers as well. Obviously, the, the first team have had a good season winning the FAI Cup, but the structures they're putting in place with the underage sides as well, it's it, it's very promising for the future, not just for Rovers, but for Irish football in general. Yeah, it is. Like um, I c- could have went to Pats, obviously, myself, coaching as well, have a bit of affiliation down there as well, but I was up in Rovers and looking at the facility to set up all that type of thing. Um it was where I wanted to go and the infrastructure is in place for everything there you know what I mean uh, the first team winning the cup this year was brilliant all the kids were there there's good trips we're going away to Finland now in December as well we went to France um, so yeah look it's not all about that but it's it, like for me it's it's I feel comfortable going up there now it's good it's a good environment um, and like I said the kids you feed off their energy like if they're happy I'm happy you know what I mean so yeah really good yeah. how would you summarise your relationship with football um, I was saying to you earlier I've read and, and listened to plenty of your interviews yeah. over the years and the impression I always get is that you love playing football but that you maybe you didn't always love being a footballer would that be correct um, 
I loved playing football, yeah, first and foremost. Like, from when I started, I loved it. Like, it was a bit of an obsession for me when I was a child, you know, uh, how the football moved, what I could do on my own with the football, the way it spawned, the way it curled, what side of the foot to use, which part of the body to use. Like, that, I was always fascinated by that. Um, I didn't always like being a footballer, no. I didn't always like being me, to be honest, you know what I mean? It goes a little bit deeper. Um, than not liking being a footballer. I was never comfortable in my own skin, being honest. Like, and put me, like, hearing them a little bit. I'm trembling a little bit in front of this microphone. Like, you know, like, it's just whatever it is. I have a nervous disposition. I'm anxious. I, I suffer with depression. I, I have all that stuff behind me. But um, football was an escape for me, yeah. It was an escape. It was an escape. It was brilliant. Like, um, when I was a child, it was an escape and I loved it. I loved it. I loved scoring goals. I loved playing. I loved playing on my own. I loved playing with my friends. Um, and then it kind of changed. Like I was saying there just before we, we start recording, uh, it changed overnight, kind of, you know, uh, into a job. And I didn't like it. You know, I didn't like, uh, didn't like the criticism. Didn't like um, orders. I felt there was being ordered around stand here, move there, not tracking runners, all that type of thing. I didn't really didn't enjoy it, you know. Mm. And then um, obviously I, I messed about as a child, uh, fifteen years of age when I was away. Um, I was fucking about, you know what I mean. <laughs> and to put it put it simply, and I ended up coming home, going back, and like it was a bit of a, a bit of chaos went through my teens, you know, and through my twenties as well. But uh, as I went back the second time back to England. When I went back, did I always enjoy the limelight of being a footballer? No, I didn't. Um, because again, I wasn't comfortable in myself. People would be pulling out me, looking at my pictures, and you had to be nice and stuff like that. And um, I was always very frustrated. I was, as a child, always frustrated. As a teenager, frustrated. And I thought it was everything else going on around me. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It was how I feel at times. And. Uh, Took me a long time to realise that, but I'm very thankful I did in the end, you know. What was the, the source of that sense of frustration, do you think? The source of the sense of it, um, well, I, I, I've, I came from a kind of a broken home, you know what I mean? Um, and I would I, that's one thing I blamed on everything, you know what I mean? But I, 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 suffer, I suffer with anxiety, depression. Uh, I don't quite like who I am at times, you know what I mean? So that's that's something I, I deal with now. Um, the source of it, the source of it is me, really. When I could eliminate every other source and then look at the only source that's common in all of it, like I, I could start to work on it, you know? Mm -hmm. If you could turn the clock back uh, a few years to when you were 15 or 16 before you went over to England, is there a piece of advice you'd give to a, a young Keith Fahino? Um not really, like, in fairness, again, I, I mentioned my dad a lot in interviews, like, he was brilliant with me, uh, he guided me, you know, never pushed me and never, uh, probably should have disciplined me, but um, I was guided to make my own mistakes, you know, and I think um, I think that's one thing that stood to me, because in, in the process of working out on the problem, mm. uh, that's helped me as well, because I've had to eliminate everyone around me to realise I've I, I am the problem or whatever like that's the problem that's the feeling you know what I mean um, but um, yeah sorry I'm losing me trying to talk there as I'm speaking are you, are you becoming more comfortable in your own skin now than some you have been previously I am I am I am yeah I have to work on it you know what I mean mm. um, it's something that doesn't come naturally to me and again it's madness because like I'm 36 years old I'm 37 in January and 
is only last year that I realised I have I have problems I need to look at and and I've always been trying to work on myself but um it's getting easier. It is getting easier and yeah, I just I have to work at having peace of mind, you know, like mm. like having a good job, nice car, a house. I you have to work for all them things. Like I have to work at having peace of mind, I have to work at um gratitude and all that type of thing and, and I found what works for me. Yeah. I've interviewed sports people previously who have suffered from depression and anxiety and yeah. their advice and the route that they always seem to have gone down is that they sought help and, and that they'd always recommend others to seek help in order to, to find a way out of it. Is that, would you echo those sentiments? Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. Like, like, um, it's hard to like, cause when I've gone through all this, through me like football, all the other situations in between, like, I would have blamed other people on, on how I felt or whatever, you know. So um, seeking help is a start. Realising you have a problem is, is probably a little bit before that and start to reach out, start to get well straight away, you know what I mean? So, and that's a constant. It's not something that you reach out once and someone helps you and you're fixed, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so, but look, it's um, where I am today, I, I'm a lot happier than I've ever been. Like I played for Ireland. I played in the Premier League and I could never enjoy it. I was never really happy, you know what I mean? There was always something wrong with me. Like, I always felt something, something still not right, you know? Like, so, um, yeah, today uh, it's not like that and I'm very thankful, yeah. Do you think in the football environment where, you know, it's quite masculine and macho, is it a difficult place to be when you're looking for help? And Is it difficult as a footballer in that environment to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not okay and I, I need a bit of a leg up here? Yeah, it can be like, you know, I think there's a lot, an awful lot of ego in football, an awful lot of ego in general in society as well. And uh, I've realised what ego is by uh, looking for a bit of help myself, you know. Um, yeah, like it's it's hard to open up men in general. I think like men, people will tell me men have a problem talking. I don't, you know what mm. I mean? Take their microphones and the cameras or whatever is looking at me away and I'll open up like, you know what I mean? That, that has That's not really a problem for me, but... Um, football, like football, was kind of like a drive in me. Again, it was me, me escape. And then I thought, like, when I'm earning money, that that'll help. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, money's great, and but it doesn't fix what's really wrong with me. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it can be hard to open up. You know, like, but I, I suppose wherever you go in the world, if if or whatever you're doing, the help is there if you if you ask for it. You know. Um, yeah. I just, I had to go through a whole process of elimination of going through football and then football being left behind, retiring, thinking that's the problem, it's because I'm not playing football now. But then I had to, I had to run my whole course and then go, right, I'm left with me now and I'm still feeling like shite, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a player, when you went over to England, obviously you mentioned you started out with Arsenal and you went on to Aston Villa. But I would say the majority of young Irish kids who go over to England struggle significantly with homesickness, and you, you fit it into that bracket as well. Did you? What did you do to try and combat that? To try and um, distract yourself from it and, and to settle in? I guess. What did I do? I drank. Yeah, as a fifteen-year-old, I would have been drinking at Arsenal and stuff like. Um, would have been drinking before I went away. Um, yeah. What What else did I do? Um, I just went into training and and. Try to like, what was I doing? The internet wasn't really around much, I don't think. And uh, yeah, I would have drank and just sat around feeling comfortable in myself. I didn't know what to do. You know, I was fifteen year old. I would have been behind me peers anyway. I think emotionally, it wasn't very mature for my age. You know, 
Um, so when I went away, what did I do? Drink helped. We helped with how I felt, and, I, and that's what I done. Yeah. Even at fifteen, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And would it, would the club have been aware? Of I'm sure they were doing? aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they were aware. Yeah, they were because when I went to leave, I thought. Like, again, I, I bring it back to this. Like, when I went to Arsenal, I was asked to stay in the digs, and I didn't like the digs. I went into the, uh, to Liam Brady the next day. I said, I don't like that house, you know what I mean? I want to move over after one day. <clears throat> so I went to another house, didn't, want, didn't like, the, like that one, wanted to move to another one. And then that bling grew over the scale. I wanted to move football clubs. You know, like, I, that was the start of looking back in now, like, where I'm at. That was me trying to run from myself constantly, you know what I mean? I didn't like how it felt. Wherever I went, there mm. I was, like, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm sure they did. And, like, I've done myself no favours. I'm not recommending it and stuff, like, but um, I generally didn't like how I felt, you know? And that's that's what I that's what I done, yeah? Yeah. Mm. I mean, with the young players you're working with now at Shamrock Rovers, I'm sure in a couple of years' time, there are players who will maybe have opportunities to go over to the UK and... and Maybe their parents will come to you and ask for your advice on it. Would you be keen to let them know that this is how vulnerable they can be and the, uh, this is the reality of it? Yeah, the reality is, like, I wouldn't pull any punches, but my my story is my story. It doesn't mean it's uh, Joe Bloggs next, uh, you know. So I think every everyone's individual, um, like the, the background I came from and as well. The drive I had in me kind of helped me to get to where I was as well. Um but again, it's not one one fits all. Like you know, um, there's players that might go away, might settle in, and go on and play hundreds of games and not have a bother on them. But for me, uh, it was it was different. You know, I can only if anyone asks me for advice on what what they think and stuff, I just tell them how it was for me. But it's not that's not saying it's going to be like that for them. You know. Yeah. Uh, and in spite of of the way things were going at Arsenal for you off the pitch, anyway, you were obviously still um, doing enough on the pitch to to remain highly rated because Aston Villa signed you for was it quarter of a million pounds, which is a, a crazy fee for a teenager who hadn't was, played a first yeah. team game. Really, I mean, yeah. was, was there a sense of pressure came with that? No, um, I always put pressure on myself. Anyway, whatever was going on in, in any situation, there's always a pressure that will tell me, "Come on, come on, yeah. you need to stick at this, or you need to do more, or you're not doing enough," you know. So. Um, I remember when I went to Villa, I think I went on trial and I went over with Ireland to Belgium, I think, and played in the tournament. I'd done very well, like, and then they, they went to watch me and they saw me off the back of that. But uh, was there pressure with that? No, no. I kind of thought I'd go there, it'd be different. There was more Irish people there and more Irish players. And it wasn't it wasn't that, like, after a few months as well. I'd done really well as well. And um, football was, again, that was natural to me, like, because I walked at it again. I was obsessive as a kid. So I developed all the technical stuff that I was probably ahead of other people. Um, and what happened? The same thing. My me, me head caught up with me as well in, in that uh, at Villa as well. And I didn't go back one summer as well. Just didn't want to go back. Didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be playing football, you know, so... Um, yeah and when you eventually left Villa you came home and played a, a few games for Bluebell before joining St Pat's what was your mindset at that point like were you was it still your aim to make a career from the game or were you even thinking that far ahead I think you were only 20 at the time like? Jesus me, me mindset at that time my mind wasn't in a good spot um, my mind really wasn't in a good spot I felt like a failure I felt like I'd let people down Um I wasn't well, to be honest, you know, I really wasn't well mentally, uh, physically, the whole lot, uh, emotionally. I was struggling, uh, really, really struggling. I just played football with Bluebell because um, 
one of my friends was down there playing football and he invited me down to train and I went down and I trained and uh, ended up going to Pats then off the back of it like but I didn't have any mindset I, I didn't like I just said right I continue to play play football because that's what I know you know like mm-hmm. that's where they get me a bit of me bit of escapism that's a healthy escapism you know like and um, then it just materialised that went to Pats and I remember getting on the pitch and I played the whole season then you know once I got on yeah yeah, because mm. I mean, you had a good first couple of years there during which you won a league cup, and and your form attracted the the attention of Drogheda United. You won a Satanta Cup there after being signed by Paul Doolan, but um, I suppose he's known as a guy who runs a, a tight ship, and I think you maybe fell foul of his rule book, did you? I did, yeah, yeah. And in fairness to Paul, he was right. Like, um, I say that now, and uh, yeah, I went up there and kind of never got going really from the start for whatever reason. There's different. He wanted me to do different things and train and different things and games and stuff. And um, but on the back of it, the lads were. The lads got to a cup final again. I was cup tied, and I come in uh, drink after drinking, like I'm coming into training. So I was let go, like you know, and he was right to let me go. So, um, that was that, and back to Pats I went, yeah, yeah. And it was that second spell with Pats really where you kind of started to excel. I think you were PFAI Player of the Year in 2008, and everyone remembers the the European games, especially the one against Hertha Berlin. I mean. Mm. Were you starting to improve in yourself mentally at that point to say that you were playing so well because the performance has obviously attracted the attention of, of Birmingham and they eventually signed you? So were you, were you in a better place than maybe you were in, in the couple of years previous? I, I kind of, was I in a better place? Um, possibly. I wasn't in a whole lot of a better place, to be honest. Um, I had a drive, I seen players going away and I said, I'm better than them, you know. Mm. And instead of just focusing on myself it took me to see someone else going away to go hold on a minute I'm better than them and I said I'll show these now you know what I mean so I remember last season at Pats I said right this is the last go I'm going to have I'm going to try and get back to England and stuff like that and um, that's what happened thank God and um, yeah it was a good season we had a good season I think we finished second two years in a row and we should have won something with the group we had we played some great football uh, Johnny McDonnell manager um, I was only talking to Alan Kirby there last week about it. We played some great stuff and it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, I got me moved then back to to Birmingham to Birmingham off the back of it. But like again, I come in here to say making sure that I, I thank teammates that I was with because I was always I was wrapped up in myself and like I was either the best or the worst. Like you know, in my head, uh, it was never. Could never just be yeah. part of the team. So, like, I good teammates around me. Alan Kirby, Gary Dempsey, um, Mark Wigley, uh, Barry Ryan. I had good teammates around mm. me who helped me, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it was great. Like, and that was my aim was was to do well. It was a pity we didn't win something as a group. And, I, like I said, I won the uh, PFEI Player of the Year, which was great. Um, and went to Birmingham then that the two, late 2008 it was yeah yeah Birmingham at the time were a team challenging for promotion but you pretty much went straight into the team and at the end I think the final day that season scored and had an assist in the yeah. game against Reading to get them promoted to the Premier League I mean you know it's a big jump from yeah. the League of Ireland to the top of the championship I guess and, and you went straight in there did, yeah. did you did you surprise yourself with how well you transitioned or did you always believe you were that good no, I never believed it was that good. Even looking back on it now, like, Jesus, like, you know, I still say it. When I do say it, I say it again. I say, oh, i done it. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I went away and I uh, was looking around the dressing room going, but 
the first day in training, I was really good, you know. I said, right, I'll lay down a marker here, do really well. And I'm sure they were probably going, who's this young fella after coming out from Ireland? Like, mm. um, so I done really well. And that, I, was, I was really good training. Anywhere I went, I was a really good training. And that's something I, I maintained anywhere I went. But um, um, I, I scored four goals in the in the build-up. I didn't expect to play so much. I played mostly out on the left and a couple of games in centre midfield and like that in the last day of the season. Scored the week before as well. Scored a header against Preston. We got B. Um, if we had a one, we would have went up. But it was great. The last day of the season, yeah. Um, I ended up saying, I'm just, I get a reminder then, you know, because like, I'm, mm. I'm talking as I'm talking. It reminds me, like, my dad was very sick around that time, yeah. you know, like, and my dad was dying, God help him, and um, I, again, I feel blessed because I had this to keep my mind away from that, I had the football, I had this thing, I had to keep going, I had to keep going, and I was kept fairly safe from experiencing what was going on at home, you know, like, although I knew my dad wasn't very well and I knew he wasn't going to get much better, Um. I had to keep going for some reason. I had to keep going and, and doing what I was doing, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we got promotion. I scored and got an assist on the last day of the season, which was brilliant. Again, looking back on it, I didn't realise how big it was. And at the time, it was just, yeah, okay, you know. How difficult was it to kind of compartmentalise your thoughts in terms of what was happening with your dad and mm. the fact that you're trying to perform week in, week out at a very high level of football? To be honest, I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. I just remember I would be speaking, like, um, I used to speak on the phone to my neighbours about how my dad was and all, because it got to a stage where he couldn't really talk and stuff, like, you know. Um, but I, I don't remember around that time. My head must have been all over the shop. But, um, again, I just kept going and kept going and stuff like that. Mm. Um, never properly grieved. Again, probably till I... Till I Till I retired and mm. last couple of years, doing a bit of grieving over it, you know, because I was constantly on the run, constantly on the run from myself, constantly on, on, on the run um, through football um, and never having the chance, really. I never really wanted to sit with myself and experience how I feel mm. or, um, because I don't like how I feel. It comes back to that. I don't like how I feel if I sit around. I don't like the feeling, you know what I mean? So um, that was a really tough time. Again, I didn't, I didn't understand again. My dad was me playing hero. He was he raised like he raised me and my brother from an early age on his own, you know. And we wouldn't have been easy kids, like so. Yeah. Um, yeah, like do you, ever, do you have regrets when you look back that maybe you didn't take a few weeks off or something and go home and spend time with him, or, or is that how you're feeling? I, I don't, I don't, I don't have regrets. I don't regret anything I've done in my life. Not not mm. one one thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, I haven't always done everything right as you might make out, but. I don't regret any of it, you know. Um, I think for whatever reason, uh, I've, I was kind of protected from it, from seeing it, like, going, going, going the way it was. Like, I seen my dad sick and I was back to visit him and stuff like that, but I wasn't with him every day, you know. So mm. I'm not, um, I wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't say I have regrets over it, no. no. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the opening day of that first Premier League season was Man United at Old Trafford, yeah. like a, a huge occasion in any player's career. Are you able to look back on those days with kind of fond memories now or is it difficult given what was going on in your personal life? Looking back on that game, I remember one thing stands out to me. Johnny McDonald and a couple of the boys were over watching me and they, wait, they waited for me afterwards and it was a great feeling, you know, like yeah. in Old Trafford after playing my first Premier League game. Um, 
never thought I'd play in the Premier League for starters, you know. Um, got there and again looking back on it, it's crazy because like this, this is what you grow up to do as a footballer. You, you aim to play in the Premier League, and a lot, hundreds and thousands of kids fall short. And there was me in it, although not really being able to enjoy it. Always the pressure, the pressure from my own head. You're not doing enough. You're gonna be dropped. <laughs> Keep the ball, mm. like all that type of stuff without just being in it and enjoying it. You know, it was always pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, but yeah, it was a great, great occasion, like like I said. And um, again, I had that stuff going on in the background, which which wasn't great. So I couldn't even tell you what, what way I felt around it, you know. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, do you feel like you acquitted yourself well in the Premier League because you had two seasons there with Birmingham? That was the first of 58 mm-hmm. appearances over two seasons in the Premier League, which is a serious tally. I know yeah. some of them would have been coming off the bench, but yeah. still it was a, a good opportunity for you to to see where you fitted in at the very highest level of football. Yeah, like um, like that, most of them were off the bench, but we had a system in the fourth season where uh, Alec McLeish would try and get a goal up through more creative players. Now, I was a creative player back in Ireland, um, really outstanding creative player, if I don't mind saying so. But Absolutely, yeah. when I went away, I had to adapt my game, you know, like I wasn't them type of passes and them runs and all, they'd be blocked off by, by better players, you know what I mean? I ended up playing on the left uh, left side. And um, I look back as well, Dool and Paul Dool used to play me on the left side. He taught me a lot about tucking in and doing a good job defensively, you know. So I took that and more often than not, I was in a great position defensively in the Premier League. So when we were one up, I was brought on as a second left back nearly. And it worked. Like We won like 11 or 12 games, I think, um, nearly not in a row or something. But we went on a great run and it, it more or less... Uh, assured us that we were going to stay up. Um, yeah, so I had to adapt my game. had to adapt my game. I played in centre midfield a couple of times, a different ball game playing the Premier League than you're playing in the, the Irish League here, you know, like, and um, again, I would, I would just, when I played, just make sure you stay in the team, Keith, you know what I mean? Stay around that team. Every yeah. time I went up, I'd be like, you're going to be drafting the squad. That's yeah. what my head would tell me, you know, like, oh, you didn't do enough. And people would be like, yeah, well done, you done great. And I'd be like, no, no, yeah. I didn't do enough, you know. My head would tell me differently, like, ah, crazy. So it must have been like a, a real shadow <laughs> hanging over you that even after a big win where you maybe played well, you're probably thinking about, right, am I going to stay in the team for the next yeah. game and how am I going to perform on that day? Yeah, that was constant, you know. Yeah. I mean, like a blade and rain cloud following me around, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, you, you did stay up that first season, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, got relegated the following year, 2011. It, obviously that would have been a disappointment but you did win the League Cup that year as well um, I, st- I still think yourself and Stephen Carr are the last Irish players to, to win the League Cup um, I know you're an Arsenal fan as well and you you know you played for the club so to beat them in front of 90,000 at Wembley that's a, and you nearly scored as well in that yeah. game hit the post that's a lovely memory to have yeah well again looking back on it now it's like Jesus that really happened you know like yeah. 90,000 Wembley um, and to play a part in the game as well to start and play whatever it was 81 minutes I think I'm not sure uh, um, in the round that but um, <clears> they <throat> hit the post that was a lazy shot I was very very tired like I, I started on the left again doing that job and done it really well and then when the boys got injured I went to the midfield which is a different type of running so I was doing more short sharp bursts and stuff like that and got very very tired very quickly um, the shot off the post was a lazy swing at the ball but it nearly crept in I'm thankful it didn't actually because um, Arsenal were well on top in that game Ben Foster 
it was brilliant in goal for us, you know. So uh, the way that worked out evenly, the last the goal, the goal that we scored was brilliant. It was brilliant, like again, I look back on it with fond memories. Yeah, um, it was amazing, you know. Yeah, would you have that medal now and the Ireland caps and stuff and the mantelpiece at home? Are you the kind of guy who just displays everything, or no? I no, I don't have anything. I don't have anything now. No, you kind of yeah. you gather this stuff. I gather loads of stuff as a child. I used to gather. Um, you know, pennants and stuff yeah. and badges and stuff. I have it all there, like, but it's like, what am I going to do with this stuff now? You know, like, like I used to, that little bit of memorabilia, like, I'll keep a jersey for each uh, team I play in, like, you know, that's the way my mind thought, but I'm now looking going, what am I doing with this stuff, you know? Um, but I'm sure there's a plan for it somewhere along the line, you know? Yeah. Mm. In general, how did you find life with a club as big as Birmingham City? I mean, when you're playing in front of home crowds of 25, 30,000, you're probably under a microscope all the time and, you know, on and off the pitch as well. And even though Birmingham is a big city, I'd imagine it's a bit of a goldfish bowl existence as well, where everything you do is is, is kind of uh, honed in on by the people around the club. I've been off to a couple of Birmingham City games and the fans there are they're kind of a an angry old bunch like when things aren't going their way which I suppose you could say that about mm. any any mm. set of supporters but I'd imagine they wouldn't be slow to get on your back when, when things aren't going well yeah um, firstly I really enjoyed my time at Birmingham it was brilliant I uh, made a good couple of friends there as well who uh, still keep in contact with Um yeah, Villa, there's a lot of clubs around there. Like, you'd spot the footballers walking through the, the shopping centres, out shopping during the day, they've been wives and all that, just spending money ridiculously, you know. Um, is I would have tried to keep a low profile anyway, you know. Like I, like I said, I don't like being in the spotlight. Um, I don't like the whole, oh, there's the key fight, will you sign this or will you get in the picture? At times now I could tolerate it and it was great, like, but... Most of the time, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, like, you know, like, I just want to be here, like, uh, mm. leave me alone. Or, but, um, yeah, I would have kept a low enough profile. It didn't, um, it was grand, like, you know, going to games and all was an experience and parking up and, and, and all that. But look, I look back on it as well and I kind of, I roll my eyes a little bit because it's very, very, uh, very artificial, very superficial. The, the nice cars, the wash bags walking into, into the grounds and all, it's not reality. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's why I got stuck in that. I didn't know who it was. Like you know, I'm, Jesus, I went from playing football as a child, all of a sudden it turned into a job, to having a bad time in general, and then going, is this even me? Like you know what I mean, and I really like it was me at the time, but it's not who who I am. Like you know the the whole thing around it. Like I think football as myself, I speak for myself. And you can get lost and all that, you know what I mean? You, you can forget who, who you are. If you never knew who you were, it can be even more so. Um, look, I, I'm very thankful for the for um, for being able to experience it. And I'm, I'm also very thankful for getting out the other side of it and going, Jesus, I'm relieved now, you know, like I can actually try and work out who I am and start focusing on that, you know? Yeah. Mm. I think it was kind of towards the end of your, your time at Birmingham where you were given a, a period of compassionate leave to, to go home for a while. We were touching earlier, obviously, about anxiety and depression yeah. and stuff like that. Was that at a, a period where things were coming to a head for you on that front? Uh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, like I said there when I spoke about my dad, um, that kind of, I never had any real time out. Now, I don't know. Uh, there's an incident at the club um, I don't need to go into, um, but it sparked off a lot of anxiety in me and anxiety in me. And I had that physical feeling of like, Jesus, like something's wrong here, you know, like the, around my chest, 
you know, like, and I, I struggled really. So I remember at the time speaking to uh, the lads who were looking after me. He said, look, come home, come home. And I come home and I, I saw help. And I probably went back too soon as well. I went back because my contract was running out and stuff like that. And I went back and then was released a couple of couple of months later or whatever it was yeah hmm. um that's I, I, like looking back over my career as well like you usually get like go solid at it like for a couple like, whatever it was a bit of a spell and then I'd, my head would catch up on me and i'd bleed and blow up you know what i mean mm-hmm. you spoke earlier about the player you became at birmingham that you had to adapt maybe and, and, and get used to playing in a more defensive role at times do you think maybe that's why Giovanni Trapattoni was so fond of you? Because we see other players during his reign, players who had maybe the same technical ability as you, like Wes Hoolahan and Andy Reid, who didn't flourish under him and didn't get many opportunities. He seemed very fond of you. I think you got 16 caps and he, he was never reluctant to put you in. Yeah, 16 caps, three goals, another good record, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, again, the, the media and the papers were like, if... They blow X, Y, or Z up to get them picked or push, push, push. And then when they pick someone else, you know what I mean? But they done that with, with me for a good while. And uh, again, I'm very thankful that, that Trapatoni picked me. He picked me for every squad I was available for then. You know, once mm. I got in, again, I was good in training. I, I trained well. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not sure about what, what he thought of other players. I know there's a cry out for Andy Reid and... Um, Wezzo especially as well creative player like uh, I wouldn't be in Wezzo's league in, in terms of uh, like creativity and stuff but um, I don't know for whatever reason he kept picking me and I, I was just happy to be there at times not happy to be there again because I found being in that environment enclosed for a week or whatever very very hard you know mm. But you rewarded them as well with the especially the goal away to Armenia like such a, a vital goal in the Euro 2012 qualifiers like to to make that big contribution and then to miss out on the tournament with injury, it, that must have been a real killer. It was at the time, yeah, it was at the time. Um, to make the contribution to score the goal again, don't think I believed that at the time. And looking back, it's like, Jesus, like you know, uh, it's kind of it's a bit early now. Looking back on it, actually happened, and again at the time, um, I got injured. I was struggling anyway that season. I like. Uh, groin injuries all that season I was really struggling and um, I thought I'd patch myself up to get back and play but uh, I I didn't I, I tore my groin back first day training and look that's that's the plan that was the plan for me you know at the time I was disappointed I was upset and all that but look I wasn't meant to go Yeah, you know like you can say that today but at the time you're trying to uh, maybe there's a chance uh, like I was just wasn't meant to go you know Mm. Did it make it easier to get over it when you saw how disastrous the tournament was for Ireland? Uh, it, pro- it probably did, yeah. yeah. It probably saved from it as well, you know, um, being thrown in against some good teams there. Um, so, yeah, look, I, again, I'm probably thankful for that, the way it happened at the time. Very upset, but very grateful now today, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When you did leave Birmingham in 2013, you ended up going back to, to Pats, although yeah. initially it seemed like you were going to move on elsewhere in the UK. I was at Sheffield United. I went up there training with uh, Nigel Clough and it was going grand. I was trying to get back fit because I had a hip operation and I was just trying to get back fit and see where I was at, you know, and then I dislocated my toe and again, my head was, I was like, I'm sick of rehabbing injuries, you know what I mean? So I just, I decided to come home mm. and come home and sign for Pats, yeah, where I was comfortable as well. I was looking for that comfort, you know, from outside sources. Could never get them myself. So, um, 
I came back to Pats, yeah, and we won the cup that year. It was probably a disappointing year, though, overall, you know. Um, we went uh, a good bit off in the league. European run could have been a lot better. Like, we have won it up in, in Legia uh, in Warsaw, and the wheels just completely fell off, you know. Um, yeah, so that was it. I came back to Pats where I found it most comfortable. and um, But things have changed in the meantime since I was away. Things had changed, like, I had changed, the club had changed a little bit, people there had changed a little bit, so it wasn't how Keith expected it to be, so I got a rude awakening as well, you know? Yeah, it was the the following season after you signed for Rovers when you de- you decided to retire. You were still only 32, but the injuries were starting to take a toll, were they? They were, they were, yeah, at times, at times, I, I think... I th- the last game I actually played at Pats, it was probably the worst game of football I've ever played. And whether it was my head or whether everything was pointing to, like, you finished. And I think now looking back, I think I was just fed up in my head. And I just said, that's enough. I probably could have got another year, another year or two out of it. But again, I was sick of uh, sick of listening to shite in the changing room, sick of this, that, the other. I was sick of everything, you know what I mean? Um, not one in particular thing, but the, the operation I had done, um, trying to get back from it, it, it got infected and there was a couple of little snags and when I started running, I was just annoyed. I was frustrated with everyone and everything around me, so I was just decided that's enough, yeah. yeah was it a knee injury, was it? It was my right knee, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd been playing for years. I had a, a slight tear in my cartilage and it was grand. And then it just kind of cut up me over the years. Mm-hmm. Was it, yeah. How have the, the last few years been for you adapting to life as a former football player? I mean, you, we've touched on the, obviously yeah. the anxiety and depression and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I know you went back and played a few games for Bluebell, but yeah. how, how did you find the transition in general? The, the transition, I call it, I just describe it like this. I fell out of the bleeding tree and I hit a lot of branches on the way down, you know. So it wasn't a, a complete just fall from grace from top to bottom. I hit a few branches on the way down and ended up on the ground days, you know. Um, how was it? Bluebell was, again, I was down there for the wrong reasons, you know, like playing a bit of football and probably drinking a good bit as well, you know. Um, that was it. Uh, the transition since then... Um, I stopped playing for Bluebell. Obviously, I tried. My knee wasn't great. I, I shouldn't be playing on it. You know, I can join in with air lads, which is grand. But um, since then, I kind of uh, where am I at today? Um, I'm in a good place today. You know, um, is the coaching your main focus nowadays? Is, is that something you're you're really looking to make inroads with? The coaching, uh, coaching is like it is where I'm at today with the coaching is where, where I'm at and where I'm happy, you know. So when people say, oh, do you want to manage a forced team or do you want to coach in a forced team or whatever? I don't, I'm not even looking at it, you know, like I, I like working with the kids. I like working with the group I'm with and that's where I'm most happiest at the moment, you know. Um, yeah. Like that, just where I'm at as well. I'm doing a lot of work on myself, um, which, which has helped me, it's helped me understand and I know what I need to do now like, to, to make sure I stay well and stuff like that. And like the anxiety, depression, all that type of thing. Yeah, I realised what I don't to get away from that for a long time. Like I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? So I work at that as well. And, and that's like, honestly, I could say this now today. Uh, since I start, since I realised what was wrong with me as well, on top of the anxiety, depression, like behind that, um, or what I was doing to get away from that, 
that's like my life has improved, you know. I, I, I get peace of mind at times, which people might say, Oh, he's mad, like you know. But that's what all, all I ever wanted was peace of mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Never have it, but um, yeah, no, life is good today. Um, yeah, well, Keith, it's great to hear you're doing so well. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people listening who will appreciate your openness and your honesty because. There are some people and a lot of people out there who are going through tough times as well, and it'll help them get through those tough times. So fair play to you, Keith, and congratulations on everything you achieved in the game. And thanks so much for coming in. Cheers, Pop. No problem. Thanks, Pop. Yeah, once again, thank you so much to Keith Fahey. We really wish him all the very best for the future. Now, none of us are immune when it comes to the issue of mental health. So if you were affected by anything you heard on this episode, there are plenty of resources available if you feel you need to talk. In the episode description alongside this podcast, you'll notice there are contact details for some of those resources. So if you are struggling, please pick up the phone and rest assured that help is available. Anyway, for now, this has been episode 12 of the Football Family. Thank you for joining us. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, take care. Oh,